Welcome back to Digital Conversations with Billy Bateman. This week we are thrilled to have Dylan Zwick, CEO of Pulse Labs, join us. In this episode, he's going to walk us through his testing process and best practices for building bots that leverage other tools and create value for your user. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Dylan Zwick, the Chief Product Officer at Pulse Labs. Dylan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you so much for having me today. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited to have you. I I saw you went to the University of Utah, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a BYU guy, so we decided to. <laughs> All to right, have this a is over. This. this interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to bring up that we haven't won a football game in uh, <laughs> like a decade, <laughs> but uh, but I'm excited to have you. Um, have you talk about what you guys are doing with uh, with voice skills and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we get into that, though, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your background and, and how you got into to working with voice. Yeah. So um, I, uh, as you mentioned, I, uh, I'm actually from Salt Lake City and uh, grew up in Utah and uh, spent some time in California, but was uh, finishing my PhD uh, at the University of Utah. And uh, that's actually when I met my, my co-founder who was uh, working at Goldman Sachs at the time on their, uh, actually he was a programmer for their uh, kind of high speed uh, uh, trading system. And cool. so we actually met as, uh, as gym buddies, as workout buddies. So it's a, that's sort of a, a non-traditional uh, way of meeting your co-founder. Usually it's somebody that you went to school with or somebody that, you, uh, that you'd worked with professionally. But uh, I had actually gotten to know and, and met and uh, you know, became friends with my co-founder uh, as, a, as a workout buddy. But um, yeah, no, so I was... Uh, I, uh, was finishing my PhD at the University of Utah, and then I worked at Overstock.com as a uh, data scientist, and then as the director of data science for them. So I was kind of the the head of the data science group at Overstock, and um, then uh, in 2016, I started getting into um, Alexa and uh, you know voice applications and these voice platforms and uh, thought that it was you know this was going to be essentially people have been wanting to talk to computers and wanting to talk to technology for as long as computers and technology have been around but it's yeah. always been the domain of science fiction and you know when I'd start playing around this oh okay this is actually the NLU aspect of it and the um, the voice recognition aspect of it is, is actually reaching a stage where it's transitioning into science fact. And that's going to be a critical part of human, you know, computer, just human technology interactions. Um, you know, voice, I think, is going to be, you know, one of, if not the primary means of interacting with the, essentially, the internet, the internet of things. And so, um, you know, I wanted, I got into it. I started, you know, playing, creating Alexa skills, um, you know, tried to figure out if there was a way that I could incorporate it into some of the work I was doing professionally. And then uh, Abhishek and I, my co-founder and I, we started doing, uh, we started researching kind of what the needs were out there in the voice community. And what we found out was that the, 
the biggest need that we saw was understanding how real people were interacting with these devices how, and how they wanted to interact with these devices and what problems they would have. Yeah. Um, and that was because most of the design, uh, most of the design experience we have with human computer interactions is based around a fundamentally visual paradigm. Yeah. And so, uh, designers and developers that had essentially been trained and built their careers on, you know, on this paradigm didn't really hadn't learned yet the um, the differences that exist within a conversational type of interface, um, particularly within a voice interface. A lot of things that are really good practices in visual design are actually bad practices in voice design and vice versa. Yeah. And so um, we, you know, kind of built, we built a prototype for uh, what eventually became our product and we started doing, you know, a fair amount of customer research and uh, were, you know, accepted into the Alexa Accelerator, which was a startup accelerator that was a joint project between uh, Techstar Seattle and Amazon. And awesome. so we got into that, you know, so it, it kind of be, it developed from a, from a side project into, um, into a full-time job. That was so it. So you guys were still working your regular jobs when you got We were, accepted. yeah. So okay. we were, we were, I was still at Overstock and he was, he had actually moved to New York. He had gotten a promotion. He was uh, in a more of a product management role at Goldman Sachs. But uh, yeah, we got into, we got into the, uh, the Alexa accelerator and uh, realized that we were, you know, we, 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 we either had to say, no, we weren't doing this or commit to doing it 100%. So yeah. you know, we, we both moved. I moved from Salt Lake to Seattle, which is where I am right now. Uh, you know, we burned the ships, you know, yeah, yeah. is the metaphor there and uh, just dove in 100% at that point. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I, <laughs> I think you're right where, you know, we're building a voice, a voice bot or skill is, is fundamentally different than a, than a chat bot um, in a lot of different ways where, where we build chat bots, the whole, the user can see everything. You can present mm -hmm. options. There's a lot of visual things that go with that. And I think one of the challenges with voice is like, how do I learn to use this skill? Um, mm -hmm. Or do I, how do I even find that skill? So where, yeah. what do you see right now before we get into like your process, your, your guys's process, what are the challenges that, that voice is facing right now? So one that you bring up is uh, discoverability. Discoverability yeah. is a, um, can be a problem in that, you know, it's, it can be difficult to figure out even what's available. You know, it's funny. Sometimes we'll, sometimes we'll see or do these surveys where, where, where we'll say, okay, what, what are new, what are additional things that you'd like to be able to do with like your smart speaker or something like that? And uh, the responses that they get that we get are frequently things that they can do on their, yeah, don't on their device. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we want to be like, actually that's, that's, that's available. That's been available for a while. So, so um, discoverability can be an issue. Uh, it is not in my opinion though, the major issue. The, okay. Or the, the 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 biggest hurdle. The biggest hurdle is actually um, can be retention. And so what we've seen is there are few there are few killer uh, applications out there. You know that people use and that people keep coming back to and reusing. 
And um, then there's been a lot of experimentation around, uh, you know, addition, you know, um, new things and new new ways that that we can that we can use them and i think that i think that what we're seeing actually is that the so much of it has been built around the smart speaker product mm-hmm. you know so much as it has been built around the expectation that this is going to be something that people are doing on a smart speaker and not really something that's going to be integrated with a whole slew of uh, devices. So it's not just the case that, you know, we're going to be talking, you know, over the next few years, we're going to be talking to our, uh, just our speakers. The big kind of, the big vision behind this is that you're going to be talking to your, you know, your phones, you're going to be talking to your televisions, you're going to be talking to your cars, you know, I mean, they're even, you're even, possibly going to have them integrated into your refrigerator uh, and that and that opens up a whole bunch of new possibilities particularly i think the big one you're going to see over the next couple of years is in the car yeah. and um so things that things that maybe haven't made as much sense when you're talking to a smart speaker in your living room like for example, um, being able to order ahead for food at a restaurant or something like that can make a ton of sense when you're driving home. Oh yeah, you know. And so I think that uh, I think that that's a big thing that we're going to be seeing. And I think a big is that it really it's so much of it is is contextual. And so you know, as voice kind of expands into a whole bunch of other devices and other contexts. I think we're going to be seeing um, a lot of new kind of killer use cases uh, added to it. And that's really the, that's really kind of the goal behind the major uh, tech platforms play here. You know, Amazon has has sold a lot of echo speakers and it's been a very successful device for them, but that is, you know, that is really not their big voice play. Their big voice play is that they kind of view this as the, as potentially being the operating system of the internet of things and mm. the glue that is the kind of is the, yeah, is the underlying platform upon which all of these connected devices are built. Yeah. That make that makes sense. You know, you've got to, I mean the bot, any, any bot, whether it's a voice bot or a chat bot, if it just, you know, lives within itself, like it's only so useful and it's probably not that useful, but the real, the real place where you start to leverage value is that it can leverage all these other tools and this other information that lives outside of it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's connected mm-hmm. to, so that's, it makes sense that the voice bot would, or the voice would, would run an internet of things, um, and be, be the tool you leverage to use it. Okay, mm-hmm. man. So let's hop into, uh, into your testing and your optimization. Like how did you guys, how did you find this as a niche? Like, I'm always interested in like you start something and you know, how'd you get to where you are? Because I mean, for us, we're at a different place than I thought we were going to be when we started <laughs> two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so tell me about the, the journey. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that is absolutely true. Um, you know, what, what we imagined we'd be doing and kind of where we, where we saw, you know, where, where we thought the world was going to go, four years ago, three years ago, or, or my gosh, even three months ago, um, (laughs) you know, you kind of, you know, one, one thing that I remember hearing at the beginning, when, at the beginning, when I started my own company and, uh, 
you know, didn't pay as much attention to it uh, then, but over time, it's, I keep remembering it, is uh, you, you, you focus on the road and the turn ahead, you know, don't, 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 uh, you know, but don't get, you know, focus on 10 miles ahead, focus on the next mile, because you really don't know what's coming 10 miles away, you know, yeah. particularly if you're, if you're a young startup. Um, you know, what we've seen is that, um, so we originally thought that it would be, you know, that most of our business would be coming from a lot of the third party skill developers. And, you know, that would kind of be, you know, this ecosystem that was being built around, uh, around Alexa and Google Assistant. Yep. Um, what we've seen is that we certainly have done a lot of work with those, but the big interest has been in, um, from uh, the platforms themselves. So, you know, uh, Amazon, Google, uh, both, both, are, both are, you know, major customers of ours and they're also investors. And then, um, you know, Facebook is making a play here. Microsoft is making a play here. And then also the, uh, the kind of the major music streaming companies, you know, Spotify, it's a very important part of their, of their strategy. And, um, you know, kind of continuous testing and optimization and building around there has been the big, has been the big focus. And then what, you know, we thought it would be, you know, it would mostly be a focus on, as I said, applications that are being built around these, uh, on these platforms. And what it's turned out is that most of the focus, at least that we've seen the last year, has been not so much on just applications, but on devices. You know, okay. on new devices that people are building on new, on new, you know, kind of, as I said, context in which people want to build and integrate voice. And, you know, the most exciting, the most significant one, I think the next couple of years is going to be, is going to be in cars. Um, so that's where we've seen a ton of work and a, and a ton of what we're doing. And then just in terms of, um, of the last few months, as I mentioned, um, yeah. We have, you know, what our testing solution is a remote unmoderated solution. So all of our testers, you know, when they're interacting with their voice, uh, with their, the, their voice devices, they use their own devices in their own home. So it, it mimics as closely as possible the uh, interaction people are going to see in the real world. Okay. Well, a lot of, um, a lot of the testing work that is done by, um, and the major big technology companies tends to be kind of on-premise testing. They've built, you know, like studios and all this kind of stuff for, you know, recording these testing experience, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, in the last couple months, that's been a little bit difficult. <laughs> <And so> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was in the before times. That you know, hopefully, hopefully, we'll get back to those. But we, we've got a, we've got a, uh, some time right now where that is not really an option. And so, the ability to do remote, unmoderated testing has actually been very, very valuable. And so, we have seen, you know to be honest, a, a major kind of um, increase in the volume of testing work that we've been doing just because we have a solution that actually works, you know, just fine um, in, you know, under even under quarantine or social distancing. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. And so, you know, you mentioned you never know what's going to happen or what you're going to see. You know, my goodness, you know, this last five months has been, I think the world has, has seen the truth of that. But it's actually been 
been, you know, rather advantageous for us. I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this to last another day on the world, but you know, in that particular aspect of it, you know, has been, has been a silver lining for us. Well, that's good. At least, uh, at least somebody's, you know, got something yeah. good coming out <laughs> yeah. of this. Um, so if you, when you're, when you've got your testers and they're, they're testing a bot, um, walk me through what that process looks like for them and, and how you guys, uh, document that and, um, yeah, what the high level, what's that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that it works is, um, so essentially our testers are all, if you want to be a tester, you can come to our website and you can basically just sign up. You know, we advertise on that pretty much, you know, social media, anywhere we can. Um, you can come to our site, you can sign up as a tester. We ask you some demographic information, kind of get an idea of who you are. And then you take a practice test uh, where we can kind of gauge, all right, do you provide feedback on a lot, you know, is the quality of your, your feedback, you know, does it meet a bar that we think is going to be okay? This is going to be useful for, um, for our customers. And then, um, you know, when customers are building, a, you know, an application or something, um, they, we, we allow them to uh, target what their target demographic is. So if you're building like an application for seniors or something like that, we can actually source, you know, a panel of usability testers that are going to be, you know, uh, that are going to be seniors. And so you can, you can kind of make sure that the feedback that you get is, is representative of the, um, the type of user you can expect to see in the, in the real world. Um, then we work, you know, we work with our uh, customers to set up the test, essentially figure out what instructions they want, we want to provide to the users. Mm -hmm. and those can be as broad or specific as, uh, as we want them to be. It really depends upon what facets you want to test. If you just want to say, I want to understand the real you, the initial user experience and how people are going to understand this out at the gate. Yeah. And we can essentially say, you know, here's a one sentence description or here's basically, here's basically what you could expect to understand about this. If you saw like an ad or something, you know, use it as you normally would, or try to use it to, to, um, you know, achieve this goal. It also might be that there's a very specific facet of the application that they want to test. And so we'll say, you know, do this, go here, and then use this part of it to do this. And so we can you know, kind of pinpoint and say, okay, this is the part of the experience we want to test. And so we can take the testers to that part and then say, okay, now go. So it really just depends upon what, what we're interested in. And then kind of also work out, we do kind of post-test questions. So after they're done interacting with it, they answer questions about the experience and, you know, figuring out, okay, what, what questions do you want to ask that are going to, that are going to help you answer the you know the questions you know that are going to let you make this better. Yeah. And the most effective engagements that we've had are actually with companies that are, you know, it's not just a one and done thing. It's a process of kind of continuous improvement. Yeah. And so you know they say okay we're gonna we're gonna test and then we're gonna modify and then we're gonna test again and we're gonna modify, and it really is best to do it as early and as often as possible because the earlier you do it, the quicker you can catch mistakes and the, and the earlier you catch mistakes, the easier they are to fix because they yeah. don't then kind of propagate and affect a lot of things that are downstream. Oh, and, totally. Yeah. And that can be the same. I mean, voices, voices 
has there are a number of differences between voice and you know uh, chat, but um, you know there's certainly a lot of similarities there. I think a lot of the usability issues that you can see in chat and a lot of the best design practices that you see in chat also apply to voice. Yeah, and I think they both are part of this. You know, when you're when you're designing a visual user interface, you can you can put a few buttons on there, and uh, you can make sure that um, you can be pretty sure that your user is only going to click those few buttons. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're designing a chatbot, sometimes you can have buttons and options there, but your user can also sometimes just type whatever they want. Yeah. And you can, you have to be ready for kind of the unconstrained nature of that. And yep. that is magnified even more in voice. You know, yeah. people can say kind of whatever they want at any given time. And ideally you need to be prepared for that, or you need to be as prepared as possible. So you're right with voice, like you're totally unconstrained, the end user, they can say whatever they want. Whereas, you know, when you're building a bot, you do have that nice, almost a crutch where I could, you know, I can say, okay, here it's only a button, you know, we've got three, five buttons, or we're only going to allow them to, you know, put in an email address or a phone number. Mm -hmm. And if they don't put that in the bot, you know, recognize, hey, that's not a phone number, please give me a number, you know, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. but with voice, like you got the wild west for every, yeah, every yeah. question. Exactly, exactly. And so you can, you can build in guidance there. But e I mean, even things like, you know, some you know, yes or no. Someone gonna say yes, yeah, uh huh, sure, okay, and all of that can essentially mean yes. You know. Yep. For all of that, and then, then ideally, and this is something that kind of differs between um, between visual and voice, um, is that, and you know, I think chat kind of straddles the um, between the two, but you kind of want to keep things uh, broad and shallow. And what I mean by that or is that, you know, nested menus, for example, can make a lot of sense in, in visual design. Yep. You can say, okay, what do you want here and then here and then here and then here? And you can kind of do this, you know, uh, filtering process. In voice, that's a lot harder to do. So you basically just have to be ready for kind of whatever they want to do at any given time. And if, you know, if they say, if on step two, they jump to what you would expect to be step six, you know, you need to be able to jump with them. You know, yeah. if somebody says, I want you to do this. And it's not like first, you know, first, you know, answer this, then answer this, then answer this. It is, um, okay, what do you want? And then tell us in your own words and as best as possible, you need to be able to respond to that and um, react appropriately. Yeah, dude, that's, that's true. Um, dang, man. Yeah, it's a different, it's a whole different world, really, even though there's a lot of similarities. Um, so I wanted to ask you, I've got you, you guys test a lot of bots. What mm -hmm. do you see are the characteristics of the skills that are getting high adoption and retention? Like, what do those, uh, those skills have in common? Yeah, so the skills that are getting high adoption and high retention. Um, so two things. Um, well, maybe three things. So first off, it's it's a lot more effective when you're thinking about building these um, to try to say, okay, what is something that people are doing right now that we can make easier and better? 
Yep. So if it's something, if it's something that people are currently doing that you can then improve, but it's, uh, that is huge. And you can see major adoption there as compared to something that they're not doing that they would kind of need to change their behavior in order to, in order to start, uh, in order to, to, to use what you do, a significant behavior, you know, change in human behavior. It has the value proposition there has to be much higher. Yeah. Um, so something like being able to turn on a light bulb with your voice, you know, that's a really valuable proposition to a lot of people because, um, you know, turning off and on lights is something we have to do anyway, you know, it's yeah. something we're doing anyway. And so being able to make that better in certain contexts is, is a real win. Okay. Um, you know, another thing is um, it helps if there is some, we were talking about discoverability, it helps if there's some trigger. So if there's some kind of external trigger in your life that's going to make you think, oh, I should do that. You know, yeah. I, I, um, and you know, one of the most successful, um, one of the most successful skills out there right now is actually the skill for uh, the TV show Jeopardy. And, okay. you know, what, uh, so every single day there's a, there, you know, based upon the, the Jeopardy clues from that day, there's kind of an additional set of questions that people can play on Alexa just, uh, just by saying, let's play Jeopardy. Huh. And, you know, what, what they see for that is they see a big spike in the use right after the TV show. Yeah. And so that's kind of a natural trigger for playing for for playing that game that has been that has been very popular so it helps to have some trigger within within the rest of the world to to kind of get you to do it. kind of the same way that you know push notifications yeah. are a big thing on on um on cell phones and then the other thing is that uh and this is where this is where testing really comes into it is that it needs to be really intuitive and natural. You know, humans have, we have this, you know, I would even say innate expectation for how conversation is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. You know, talking is, you know, almost the quintessentially human thing. It's a fundamental, it's a fundamental aspect of what makes us us people. Yeah. And um, so we have a lot of expectations about how a conversation is supposed to work, how talking is supposed to work. And modify, you know, and expecting people to change that is a big expectation. So you need to figure out how to best um, craft your conversation and craft your design in such a way that it mimics the way that people are already speaking. Yeah. And yeah. a big part of that is just testing it and understanding it and getting real user feedback. So that's kind of where Pulse Labs comes into this is, um, is helping with that aspect of it. And I think that applies to, to, you know, to chat bots as well. Yeah, no, we, we test the, we build a new bot, you know, you do the exercise, you sit back to back, one person's the bot, one person's the end user, <laughs> yep, yep, you read that's, it, that's, that's you how read you it start. out loud, yep, and then yep, like, Wizard okay. Wizard of Oz testing, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that sounds, you know, nobody would say that, let's, re mm -hmm. let's rewrite that copy. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. So, yeah, I think you guys are onto something. Um, I, I really like it. You know, it makes sense with the usability. I'm excited to see what the, what comes with cars. Um, because, you know, we had an Alexa at our home 
for a while. Eventually, like we just weren't really using it, so we got rid of it. Um, the only things we did use it for were things that we were already doing. Like I would have it play a podcast or play music, set timers, tell us the weather. You yep. know, those um, are, those are kind of the standard use cases and those are what, you know, alarms, timers, weather, you know, music, streaming. Um, yeah. one thing we have seen a little bit more of is, um, or people are starting to use recipes a lot more now that, oh, now that yeah. people are cooking at home a lot more. So yeah. using it kind of as a, as a kitchen aid there. Um, yeah, but I think that, uh, I think that the big, the big changes we're going to see are going to be around kind of new devices and new contexts. And so yeah. I think, you know, as you're saying, I think that's, that's, that you're going to see a lot of over the next couple of years. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I, I felt like I live in my car, you know, driving <laughs> everywhere and, uh, and I love it. Um, but yeah, more, I would probably use a, a voice spot quite a bit once I, once that became really available to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, awesome, man. Before I let you go, you do have one other product that's really interesting. I wanted to let you, uh, let yeah. you tell people about it where you kind of have like a Nielsen rating system, um, for the bots. Um, so I'll, I'll just let you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we also have something that's essentially, uh, you can view it as kind of Nielsen for voice. Uh, and that is, you know, we have another panel that, uh, from whom we're actually able to kind of monitor, you know, what they're using their voice devices for and, and kind of what, you know, really what people are doing, and what people are not doing. So if we yep. want to get a gauge on, you know, what's popular, you know, what's trending, anything like that we can work, you know, that's information and data that we can, that we're capturing and that we can provide. And so that actually has been, we have a partnership with Kantar, which is kind of the, one of the larger uh, market research for, firms in the world. And we kind of provide a voice, you know, component to, to their market research offering. Cool. And um, so we've actually done a fair amount of work. This is more kind of tends to be it's compared to product teams. This tends to be more with marketing teams. Yeah. Um, but we've done a lot of work with marketing teams, essentially providing market research there or even tracking and attribution. So if, you know, if you've got an ad campaign and there's a voice aspect to it, you know, being able to track and get engaged, okay, how popular is that? What sort of changes are we seeing uh, within consumer behavior based on that? We can track that with, uh, with our, uh, our measurement panel. That's amazing, man. I love that. You got to have the data to make, to make the smart decisions and that it just makes sense. So they can, you know, okay, we want to build a bot for our brand. You mm -hmm. know, what, what makes sense? You know, what are people adopting? What are they using? How do we compare once we're live? You know, mm -hmm. awesome. it's good stuff, man. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on Dylan. It's been, it's been really informative and, and entertaining. So, uh, if people want to get, reach out to you, continue the conversation, where can they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So first off, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so our website is just uh, www.pulselabs.ai uh, or you can, uh, you can find me, uh, you can just reach out to um, dylan.zwick, D-Y-L-A-N.Z-W-I-C-K at pulselabs.ai. Um, if uh, there's anything you're curious about, you want to know more about this, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to continue the conversation. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again, and uh, we'll chat later. All right. Thank you.